Welcome to What the F is Going On in Latin America and the Caribbean, Code Pink's weekly YouTube program of hot news out of the region. In partnership, we have a lot of partners now, I'm so happy to say, in partnership with Common Frontiers, Council on Hemispheric Affairs, Friends of Latin America, Massachusetts Peace Action, and Task Force on the Americas, we broadcast weekly at 4.30 p.m. Pacific, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Code Pink's YouTube channel. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Telegram, and now uh, on radindymedia.com. Today's episode is Ecuador, the Lasso Government Post-National Strike. So this today's episode is a follow-up to our June 22nd episode entitled Ecuador Erupts Against Neoliberalism, in which uh, we were joined by Camila Escalante of Casacho News. So today, our guest, and I'm so happy to welcome him back, and I'm sure many of you will recognize him. Today, our guest is author and journalist Joe Emmersberger. You can find his work published at FAIR, Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting, and be sure to read his book, Extraordinary Threat, The U.S. Empire, The Media, and 20 Years of Coup Attempts in Venezuela. So welcome, Joe. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. I just want to quick note the book. The book I wrote is with my uh, my friend Justin Poder. We wrote it together, so just want to clarify. Oh yes, okay. A shout out to Justin. Sorry. No problem. I remember. I remember when it came out, and I apologize. No problem. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. So that's for okay. our audience, what um, what we want to talk about in this episode is what's happened since June twenty second. I think most of the audience is probably aware that a week ago Tuesday, there was an attempt um, to impeach President Lasso of Ecuador. Um, That process failed by only 12 votes. And this, a week following that impeachment attempt, four ministers have resigned uh, in the Lasso cabinet or at Lasso government. And so let's talk about what those two specific events, I mean, they're right on the heels of this 18-day national pottle. And so what what has happened? I think before we went live, you started to tell me that that this is, you know, a, a, a pretty significant achievement of the indigenous community. So maybe we should start there, but it isn't only the indigenous community. No, it's not. Uh- First, yeah, it's it, but it was definitely there's no disputing that this was spearheaded by Kanai. These the 18 days of protest was spearheaded by Kanai, by by the by the leadership, by the lower level leadership, organizers, activists of the Kanai movement. They spearheaded really an unprecedented uh, national strike protests, you know, and and uh, uh, Moreno's uh, or sorry, Lasso's <laughs> President Lasso's. Uh, Freudian slip there. President Lasso's uh, approval in the polls, all the polls have him around 20%. He has fallen precipitously in only a year since he's taken office. He's, he's the continuation of Moreno. He always was. Um, but the the uh, it's important to note that they were already in 2019. It's important to stress this because October 19, there are already huge protests against neoliberal policies. And that was before the pandemic strike. Because since 2017, there's been uh, at least a 35% increase in poverty and uh, a, a, a more than doubling of, of uh, the homicide rate, violent crime um, 
in Ecuador since since 2017, or it's, it's continuously, both continuously gotten worse uh, since since the right wing governments took over. And that, that's a huge story there. But uh, when I say it's a huge achievement of, of these protests, what 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 uh, what's impressive is that the the concessions they, they have officially rung from the Lasso government are concessions that that resonate with the entire uh, Ecuadorian population or the vast majority of Ecuadorians because they include like uh, declaring a, a, a national emergency in the health sector, right? That affects everybody. Mm -hmm. That's just not that's not the indigenous just the indigenous communities. Um, it, it's it's calling for it, it and one of their demands they didn't make it into the uh, into the the, the uh, concessions from Lasso, but they also stressed that the the violent crime that was one of their ten points. That there's has to be something done about the the, the just skyrocketing uh, homicide and violence in the streets. Uh, common crime has just exploded, and and the, uh, and the drug trafficking has has. Oh yeah, yeah. It's all it's all it's linked together. It's it's all but it's all it's it's a dramatic increase in violent crime that's just exploded since 2017. Uh, it's related and, a lot to unemployment and the poverty that that creates. Yes, or yeah, it's linked together, but it's all it's like um it's it's not that simple because. What happened was there was a total restructure of the of the judicial system under Moreno, okay, and and this was done with the uh, with the collaboration of Kanai initially for the first few years, uh, because there, there there's there's um, uh, divisions between that the let's say the left wing left leaning uh, movements voters in Ecuador, and it, that split has exacerbated under under Moreno for a lot of reasons, but. I want to stress first of all though, that the the what the concessions that have run that Kanai wrung from the government are are like I say they resonate with the with the general population because they they weren't they weren't just about the uh, indigenous sector or the rural sector they focused on on things that impact the the entire uh, the entire Ecuadorian population and and Las was just extremely unpopular because the general situation in Ecuador has just gotten uh, worse and the pandemic uh, made it even more so. Um, for I mean something like six months into the pandemic, Ecuador had like the one of the worst death rates in the world. I mean entire world. Uh, when you looked at excess deaths compared to pre-pandemic period, so it was just a just a, an utter disaster all the way around. On top of the disaster that was already taking place and that already caused such uh, such commotion. So there was um, yeah. So that the 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 it's considered a huge uh, achievement that they managed to ring these concessions. And ring them in such a way that, like I said, they resonate with everybody. However, um, Lasso just recently is already saying that the protests were financed by Correismo, uh, Correz movement, and by, by drug traffickers. He's saying that about the protest. Now he's just rung, he's just made concessions, he's in the dialogue, and yet he's going out publicly and saying, oh, they were all financed by drug traffickers, and 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 and, and of course attacking Correa uh, because. That's the, the the big demon in Ecuadorian politics. Um, the so-called Correaist movement has the largest block in the National Assembly. Um, you mentioned. Uh, I want to stress right off the bat. You stressed. You mentioned right off the bat there was an attempt to impeach Lasso. Uh, it's it's not like an impeachment. If you remember what happened with Dilma Rousseff, the mm. the legislators threw her out basically and then seized power for themselves. Right. Well, that's not what was being attempted. In, uh, in the vote that just took place. What, what took place in Ecuador is something that was uh, instituted in the 2008 constitution when it was, you know, was ratified by voters. And it's called, they refer to it informally as muerte cruzada. I guess that means like mutually assured destruction. 
because what happens is that if the uh, National Assembly, what they can do is they, they, yeah, they can terminate his term, but they have to go to elections for the entire National Assembly and the president. Okay, so it's, oh. it's just for fresh elections for everybody, okay. not well, just for the. Okay. So it's not like the Dilma Rousseff. For the executive thing. and the legislature. Yes, yes, it's not like right. it's not like it's not like what happened with Dilma Rousseff, where the basically the right wing legislatures can just throw her out and seize power from themselves, and they stayed in power mm -hmm. for two years, right? That's not what this was about. This was about forcing elections within six months for everybody. Okay, so what happens is so Lasso can run again, and if Lasso were to win he would be able to finish out his term and they could not invoke this, this Muerte Cruzada again because it only I applies for the, for the term. So, and the reason, and, and, and similarly, the president also, like a, a popular president is confronted with protests led by an unpopular minority or whatever, mm -hmm. he could call, call out, say, you know what? Okay, fresh elections then. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the voters and you guys all go to the voters too. So there's Article 148 allows the president to force uh, there's Muerte Cruzada, to force elections for everybody, okay? And Article 130 allows the National Assembly with a two-thirds vote, which they didn't quite get. Which they, uh, they didn't were, get, yeah. yeah they they fell short. short of that. Yeah, they fell short. But mm -hmm. if they had got their two-thirds uh, uh, vote, the legislative vote, they would have forced new elections for everybody, okay? So, and this was implemented because uh, between the period uh, 1996 to 2006, Ecuador had, depending how you count them, uh, like nine to 11 different presidents uh, because of all sorts of, of, of uh, back, uh, discontent. It was just a disaster. Um, and, and throughout this period, you had rising poverty and again, rising, rising uh, uh, violent crime all the way from the 1980s, all the way to uh, basically all the way right up until if you look at the homicide rate for Ecuador, basically from, two, from 1980 all the way through till um, 2011, until the very early years of Correa's government, when he when he instituted reforms to the judiciary, uh, into the legal system, uh, the violent crime rate is constantly increasing. I mean, I can just tell you myself, um, as a as a young kid, I could walk the streets in the in the seventies, uh, early eighties, with my uncles in, in downtown where I killed no no fear of of being assaulted or anything, right? By the by, nineteen ninety, uh, my family, my relatives, and where I killed, they they didn't want to go in their own neighborhood after dark. It just it just continually got worse and worse and worse, and under Correa's government, uh, in only ten years from two thousand, by the time he left office, the homicide rate had fallen by two thirds. Uh, just a dramatic decrease in, in 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 crime all over the country, and a dramatic improvement in the general feeling of security, and and in along with that, um, a reduction in poverty. And if if you remember, I mean. This is more. It's not just. There's not just a, a simple correlation between poverty alleviation and violent crime reduction. Because if you remember, it, under Chavez, even during his best years, uh, the Venezuelan government still struggled with a rising crime rate. Because uh, what what Correa did, what Correa's government did, is they unclogged the the uh, the legal system. So many cases that were just sitting in limbo. So many people uh, uh, not being processed. Just there's just there's no resources. Just no resources dedicated to just making the system function effectively. And uh, um, they, they implemented uh, another uh, a different kind of way of selecting judges and prosecutors uh, through a process that that kind of bypassed political parties. Um, it was, I mean, you could be criticized for a lot of reasons, but the results are, are, are undisputable. It, it produced a much more efficient and much more effective legal system that, that produced these tremendous results. 
But since 2017, when the right-wing government, the neoliberal governments uh, took over, part of what they've done is just, just merged or eliminated uh, public sector services and employees. So there just isn't the, the just not the resources to, to deal with the, and they've, what resources they have dedicated basically to trying to, to throw <laughs> Korean and supporters in jail. I mean, Jorge Glass, mm -hmm. former president, is still in jail. Korea, if he went to Ecuador, would be in jail. He's been sentenced. Yeah. He has asylum now. Belgium. Some of my neighbors here in Mexico City would be as well if they returned home. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's um it's just a um it's it's been a it's been a it's been a disaster. And uh so there were there were these tremendous achievements under Korea's time in office. They've been completely undone and we're we're going back almost to the to what we were to what Ecuador was in the in the uh 90s. So with this tremendous uh like I said in the 96 to 2006, it's tremendous. Uh, violent crime and instability. There was so much also political instability, governments changing constantly. And so that's why this Muerte Cusada that I talked about was, was implemented because it would say, okay, mm -hmm. there's got to be a better way if the government really falls in popularity. There's got to be a better way than just taking to the streets to get rid of them. There's got to be a, a constitutional way that forces all the, the whole political class to be accountable because the mm -hmm. legislature and the president both have to go to elections. Okay, so I, I just think that's an important point to stress. Yeah, there's not a it is. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's much more complex and could, yeah, could, and also could be now, really fantastic, but could be quite disastrous too, depending yeah. on who calls for it. Yeah. Sure, but it, but the whole political class has to go, right? So it has mm -hmm. to go to elections. They have to go to the voters. Yeah. So that 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 is a, a well thought out mechanism. Um, and there's also right now, unfortunately, there's a there's also a, uh, there was an attempt made after that vote failed. There was an attempt made to present to the CNE. Uh, recall referendum. Right? They want, okay, give us petitions. We want to start collecting signatures to recall, to force a, a recall referendum on, uh, on Guillermo Lasso, but that was shot down. Um, the <laughs> CNE said there was no, uh, there was no, uh, they didn't provide enough proof that uh, they have to justify their, their, their attempt for a recall, saying that uh, Lasso didn't fulfill his promises. They say they didn't give enough proof. Uh, it's kind of comical for the CNE to even bring that up because Lasso's candidacy in 2021 was actually illegal. I mean, it's very clear that the Pandora Papers revelation show that he had, through his family, uh, assets and tax havens, which under under Ecuadorian law, you're not supposed to have if you're a candidate. You're supposed to get rid of any right. property and tax havens before you can be a candidate. He didn't do that. But with the restructuring of all the, the authorities that's been happening since 2017, it's, um, it just didn't, didn't, uh, didn't bite him legally. And now we see how the CNEs, even, even after these unprecedented protests and an extremely unpopular president, he's still being protected from the CNE mm -hmm. from now from a recall referendum. So, uh, so but for our audience, the CNE is the Consejo Nacional Electoral, or the Elec National Electoral Council, which is right. a branch of the government yes. and oversees uh, the electoral process in Ecuador, not unlike other countries, the INE here in Mexico, which is under right. scrutiny right. and the CNE in Venezuela, same thing. Yeah, so so there, that's that's what's going on right now. Is that is that, uh, and also there's also against Leonidas Issa. He's the uh, leader of the Kanai. Um, it, 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 it's 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 I think important to stress that when he when these when these protests initiated, first thing the government did was a, try to arrest him. Well, they did didn't try to they did arrest him. They did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then but they were backtracked on that right away. Because, uh, like I said, Kanai is, is not their one strength. Kanai has it's not it's not it's not as much of a top-down 
uh, organization of say the as Korea's movement is like I support Korea's movement but when you have a more horizontal structure that that has advantages sometimes because you can't just decapitate the leaders and all oh, everything goes away you know right. like when the electoral movement uh, is dependent on so much on a leader well you you, you cancel out the leader one way or another and, and everything kind of falls apart but they couldn't do that with uh, with these with this protest because it was had such uh, genuine grassroots support they just just grabbing the leader was just going to i think they realized just going to throw fuel on the fire so they they backtrack but they're still trying to go uh they still have court cases against them and lasso's already linking the the protest to to narco traffic and to Kodaismo, which in his which to his to his supporters uh, which and who are very powerful that's just the same thing right Kodaismo and narco that's the same thing you know and you saw the same discourse against evan morales and uh, the exactly. people who hate it to hate the people who hate Evo Morales or any left-wing government they're they're narcos they're criminals <laughs> so so the fact that he's engaging that discourse that certainly puts a cloud on whether these these agreements that he reached with with Kanai will actually get implemented so it's it's kind of uh it, it's a it's a scary situation away because if he's not going to implement the agreement and the CNE and other authorities are going to block him from uh from facing a recall and the and the legislature is going to block him from having the you know, the more the option that he's it's like they're closing all the legal options right mm -hmm. and so that's 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 a recipe for perhaps even more uh, uh national strikes or protests down the road uh but it's not not something that it's it's very it's a very uncertain let's talk about well now there's two things just listening to you outline all of this let's talk about the things that the government has i have a, a short list here maybe we should just run through them uh there were the 10 items that Kornai and the protesters at large were uh demanding be addressed and what the and what the result is as of today as far as we know and then also, I think it's really important that we talk a bit about uh, social movements and organization from the ground up and how important that is in affecting uh, a government's response to the needs and desires of the people. I think that is one of the biggest successes is just not just where the government has agreed you know, to acquiesce, or implement solutions, but this tremendous success of um, of community, social, and, and labor organizing and that is something uh, this keeps coming up, you know, throughout so many of our episodes. That this push against neoliberalism, this neoliberal model that Lasso is a poster child for, this this ground up organizing, how important it is, and Kanai has 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 affected the removal of two presidents already in the like in the 90s and the early 2000s yes that they've had that much yeah it, it, it's true but it's also there was at that time you know in the 90s there was also divisions within the right wing that facilitated mm -hmm. presidents being removed uh korea has really put the fear of god in them their their fear of the korea is coming back in some way or, or somebody very loyal to mm -hmm. korea coming back has put such fear in them that now they really close ranks so it's not gonna it's not like the 1990s in that sense because 1990s they never really had uh something like a korea to look back to and say whoa if we if we don't close ranks we're gonna end up with him or, or with them right 
Yeah. Now they do. They have this fear of Korea uh, coming back, of the Korea's movement coming back in power. And uh, so that, that's, that's a huge fear. And so that's why, like, technically, uh, supposedly, uh, Guillermo Lasso's wing of the right, of the right wing political class, and uh, Jaime Nebot, you know, that's another a leader based in Guayaquil. Those guys are supposedly at odds, right? They're, they're bickering. But when it came down to the vote in the National Assembly, it didn't matter. You know, they were gonna, they were not going to allow <laughs> him yeah. to get thrown out. So that that's a major difference with the with the 1990s period. Uh, you know, back then the political class would turn on each other much more. You know, mm. uh, for for any reason. Yeah. So they, it's good. It's I, you know, Moreno, as unpopular as he was, he was in single digits by the time he left. But he finished his term. Uh, you know, and so it, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing Lasso is going to finish his term. I'm just saying it's they have this fear of a, of a, of a left wing, of a left wing movement, electoral movement that mm -hmm. is successful, that has a track record, that has achievements, and they, and they haven't been able to destroy it. Despite it's still, it's the largest block in the National Assembly. It's not a majority, but it's the largest block. Um, so well, like they, thirty-five percent of the country yeah. still supports Correismo. Well, in I mean, the that's a pretty solid. Yeah, I think it's I think it's probably higher than that if they actually. If, but, but he isn't allowed to run. I mean, they rushed. No, no. Through, yeah. <laughs> they, they rushed through. It, it, they did really ridiculous things to you just to show you the fear. They didn't allow. They didn't. Not only do they not allow him to run. Not only do they still have Jorge Glass in jail for like well, going on five years, but they didn't during the campaign. They didn't even let Andres Arauz and his, his team use Correa's image in the right. campaign yeah. so they say well if somehow if Correa's sentence therefore his image also is not allowed <laughs> so his image uses loses political rights as well not just the man and but but it was also very cynical because there's a party that uh moral moreno's old party that that was used to be Correa's that had almost zero support and they actually were allowed they actually got away with using uh Correa's image and that the only impact that could have is maybe to confuse voters to inadvertently vote for them thinking they're voting for somebody Korea supports you know um mm. but they allowed them to do they allowed them to do it in their tv spots and it was it's like the, the only reason you would allow that is to cause confusion and the hope that maybe in a very close vote you know that you know that could potentially have an impact you know because uh you know if a vote is very close any little thing can can you know potentially exactly. be said so so there's there's all sorts of dirty tricks that are going on all the time um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's a big difference. So that's why I wouldn't bet on, on Lasso being thrown out. I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but this is not like the 19, uh, like the 96 to 2000. Like what they achieved in the, well, let's talk about what, what these protests have achieved because here I'm just going to quickly go through and, and please comment. Sure. I'm just going to just do an abbreviated run through for the audience to see, to, to show what has been agreed upon. So uh the government says that fuel prices have already been frozen and will not increase in the future uh, re uh regarding bank debts the government responds that it has arranged for bond ecuador to forgive all credits up to three thousand um, dollars at the request of a policy of fair prices for basic agricultural products the government offers to negotiate with the private sector uh the government does not respond to the request to increase public investment to generate employment. Uh, the government does not respond to the request for a moratorium on extractive mining and and uh, and the oil border. I'm not I'm not sure that's probably not the correct interpretation from Spanish to English. 
but it's really important for the for us to understand that extractive mining and the, uh, particularly the oil extraction does affect indigenous communities the most. Yes, they're the largest definitely. population affected by the extraction industry. Uh, the request that collective rights be respected. Uh, the government doubled the budget for intercultural bilingual education. Um, but that would mean also investing in the public education uh, system, which they don't seem to have done. Right. Uh, there will be no privatization of the strategic sectors, but the promise remains in the air because the government is, uh, because the country's facing a government that accelerated the application of neoliberalism. Yeah. Uh, the request to establish a policy to control prices and curb speculation. Um, the, the, the national government pushed that to the state level or the provincial level. I forget what, what you refer to them in Ecuador. They uh, pushed that to the governors and mayors. And um, a state of emergency has been declared for the public health system and urgent purchases of medicines. There is no answer about the policies for admission to the universities offered by Lasso when he was a presidential candidate. Right. Yeah, that's, and, that's, but you can see right away is that, and also there's been an increase in the, the subsidy for the poor, like the, basically the, there's a the bono de desarrollo humano, right? The, these basic subsidy given to the most the poorest people has been increased uh, a little bit. So, but you can see right off the bat that these are, these are demands that impact the entire population. Even the thing mm -hmm. like the limiting prices or, or uh, Price gouging or whatnot for agricultural products. That also, obviously, that that re, that reverberates to the well, to throughout the, the entire population. Yeah. So, but, Anybody so the, who buys food. Yeah. You know. Right. So the, this that was the key uh, thing about these demands. That it's, it's the the situation in Ecuador is, is deteriorated to the point where where the where the movement, the indigenous movement, can um, can articulate demands and fight for demands that are supported by everybody. Right, mm -hmm. so that that's a key. That's a key. That that's a similarity with the 1990s. That is a that is similar now. Now that we're back in the neoliberal regime now for five for five years, so that that similarity holds. Uh, but um, but the the other one, the other factors I mentioned are also a, a factor. Um, and the thing about extractivism, I'd like to comment on that because that's that's where that goes to some of the divisions between the let's say the Kanai Kanai movement and and Korea because. Uh, Kanaya had a bad relationship with Kanai for most of his time in office, mm -hmm. uh, and a lot. Some of that was some of that was like there's a right wing. Let's face it, there's a right wing element to uh, to Kanai. Like there are, there are people affiliated with Kanai, and the the, the certainly their electoral. Uh, it's not officially the the electoral movement of Kanai, but it's the Pachacutic is the uh, the electoral wing of the indigenous movement, and. If you read even Isa, Leonidas Isa's uh, interview, and they ask him about Pachitkutik, it's pretty obvious that that's kind of an embarrassment to them because they've been so reactionary. Uh, yeah. It just well, we it, saw that last year's elect presidential yeah. election. Sure, and, and we also yeah. like just consider the fact that this uh, Muerte Cruzada vote that I talked about. This was this was in um, this was uh, brought in by by Correa's movement, uh, the excuse me, the UNES block, mm -hmm. and it was actually. People were actually very pleasantly surprised that most of the Pachacutic went along with it, <laughs> even though some of them some of them abstained, including the president of the National Assembly. But it was a pleasant surprise that 
that they went along with. Uh, in fact, it, most of most of them did vote uh, for that. I mean, almost I, well, the vast majority voted in favor of of, of this uh, Morte Cruzada uh, uh, fresh election mechanism. But uh, it's it still the fact that it even comes as a surprise. I mean, the fact that uh, even a guy like Le, the head of Kunai is basically they've always for years kind of almost a lot of times had to distance themselves from Pachacutic. So it's there's been issues there. But the, the issue with extractivism is that, as you mentioned, the extract the extractive industries tend to tend to operate in indigenous uh, communities. And traditionally they've tended to get stuck with the pollution, with the <laughs> with the with the garbage, uh, the toxic waste, and and the wealth flows elsewhere. You know, the wealth flows into the pockets of multinationals and into the pockets of uh, of the elite in Ecuador and, and maybe the urban, you know, more urban-based uh, 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 middle class or whatever you want to call it. So, so that's been that's been a problem. But it's very hard to address that in a country where you also desperately need uh, for exchange just to do basic development. I mean, just to pay salaries, just to build roads, just to to do sanitation and and, you know, and all the all the basic infrastructure that Ecuador doesn't have is still. It start developed under under Korea, but was by no means uh, finished. <laughs> so that that's that's a tension there. It's, it's very. I mean, the only way you could actually eliminate that tension is just not to do extractive industries at all. But then you've just you you committed. If you if you go that far, you've done you committed political suicide. Uh, you just won't an, an economic suicide. I mean, you can't just you can't just yeah. come off of that economic model overnight. Yeah, but yeah. but I. I, I I want I want to make this point because I, I put this on Twitter, but I want people to consider this. Like, uh, Correa had a when he was in office, he had this initiative where he yeah because there was a he he wanted to uh, there was a proposal to expand drilling in the Yasuni National Park, and he said, look, okay, I don't want, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it unless the international community can pony up like uh, it was a little under four billion dollars, right? Because with that money, they could put that oh, in some kind of right that trust right. that right. he attempted right. to create yeah. yeah remember that's four billion dollars now keep that in yeah. mind four billion, and that's several years ago now in may uh without even thinking uh, the u.s congress unanimously pushed through this or close to unanimous no that wasn't unanimous because actually it was embarrassingly it was the right wing uh who had some uh had some resistance but the squad and all those people approved 40 billion dollars for the proxy war in ukraine right mm -hmm. so i mean you can you can you can shower uh, that kind of money on a, on a proxy war with Russia. But what, what Korea was asking for, not just from the US, but from the wealthiest countries is say, okay, $4 billion, they got nowhere near that. Um, because the, it's, it's the climate crisis, everything is global. If, if you want uh, countries like Ecuador desperately poor to bypass extractive industries, well then the, the, uh, the just thing to do is to pressure the richest countries, the, the former colonial countries, Exactly. To, to replace the revenue stream that that would allow them to to bypass those industries to develop other without doing them right well you know so that's 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 a very important point because the four I looked at uh, World Bank data the forty billion dollars that that that's equivalent to Ecuador's oil rents for the entire like twenty fourteen the twenty twenty period inclusive so that's like a seven year period so oil rents is the World Bank defines that as the total value of production minus the production costs. Mm -hmm. So uh, so that gives you an idea, just over a seven year period, just that one little gift, $40 billion gift to the, to the proxy war with Russia. Yeah, that, that covers Ecuador's major- the oil in the ground. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. for, for a seven year period. 
And right now, even if you think about right now, their oil exports uh, this year, because prices are very high, they're going to be like $10, $12 billion, something like that in that neighborhood. So again, that's like only a quarter of what uh, that one disbursement of, to, the, to the proxy war with Russia uh, uh, amounted to. So it's just something to think about, you know, because when you uh, it, uh, you know, it's 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 uh, to me a really offensive when, when especially environmentalists in the global north want to look down on governments, especially governments that are out because they'll always have this dilemma uh, of of doing some kind of extractivism because, like I said, the only way you could alleviate this tension uh, entirely is to not do it, but they just cannot afford that. That's just yeah, not pay easy. to keep it in the ground. Right. Yeah, have that offset. Um, you know, you you talk about the. Um, you know, the, the the U.S. funding of the proxy war um, in Ukraine. Here in Mexico, uh, the president of Mexico said something very, very similar, you know, that a, a, a pinch of that money could have been invested south of the border to alleviate the need for, you know, some of the root causes of migration oh, to sure. the United States. I mean, just a, a drop in the bucket of that of those funds financing the proxy war. So it's, I mean, it's yeah, right. the, the colonial nations and the, and the control of global capital just really so sets uh, the agenda, unfortunately. Right. Yes. Can we talk about, um, well, there's two things I'm thinking with, you mentioned the, the Ecuadorian oil exports. Have that, has that in any way been affected by the U.S. sanctions on Russia, I mean, is who to sell, who customers selling to establish customer shipping? Any of has any of that been affected? Well, well, well global oil prices have gone of spiked since the war. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah. So that that alone, I mean, it's an international market for for oil, right? So that's definitely yeah. boosted uh, Ecuador's oil uh, oil prices. However, uh, there's a very important thing that I don't think gets commented on is that. Under Korea, the Ecuador's share of the oil revenues uh, increased dramatically also because he, he renegotiated the contracts with the multinationals. Mm -hmm. um, and one of, the, one of the things that then the right-wing governments afterwards under Moreno and the Lasso have been doing is has gone in the other direction. So that's, one, that's why, like, if you think about it, why is there so much unrest and tension with, with such high oil prices? Why isn't Lasso just able to uh you know just invest just in the people over, move <laughs> things over thing. or just directly subsidize just smooth things over right with money yeah, well yeah. One, one reason he, he's limited doing that is because his policy has been to just give more of that money to the multinationals right so that's 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 that limits his even if he wants to that limits his options for for doing things the other thing is that in 2020 they entered an agreement with the imf and it's the typical structural adjustment agreements that during the 90s, again, that's a major factor in the unrest that we had in that 96 to 2006 period when you had this constant, you know, revolving chairs of presidents. Um, so you're back to that as well with the, with the IMF telling you what you can and can't do. And again, tying your hands. And they did other things, you know, they, they, they uh, under Moreno, they, they, they instituted uh, policy such that the the government is limited in the way it can even use its own resources, like from its own central bank. Like um, Ecuador has a Ecuador has Ecuador has the U.S. dollar. Uh, so mm -hmm. you, you say and they'll say, well, why does it even have a central bank? <laughs> One of the main things that central bank does is issue currency. But the central bank in Ecuador does uh, function in it like a bank, and it does 
have play, still play an important role. And under Korea's government, that, that was a way they could, they could move money around within the government, right? Uh, to, to not rely so heavily on private financing. So yeah. now the, obviously the big uh, banking interest, they don't want that, right? They don't, they don't want the government, they want the government to go to them, right? So, so that's mm -hmm. another key change. So all these change, what all these things do, and then there's the tax giveaways and everything else, what all these things do is that gives less money to the government so that they can smooth over the social problems, right? Uh, they, they so so that limits that so it kind of financially starves off all the yes, all yeah. the state infrastructure yeah. and who institutions. Was who was that guy who said starve the beast? Uh, Stockman, right? The old yeah. Reagan era guy. Yeah, that was yeah. his. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of the philosophy: starve exactly. the beast, starve the government, so that it can't do anything, or pretends it can't do anything, and yeah. then and then and then, and then it all then, gets privatized. Yeah, and then and then you have all these problems, and you have all this this social explosion because in a poor country like this, you really, I mean, the suffering we're talking about here. I mean, it's because people are really suffering, and uh, they have they they feel that they have no option but to take to the streets. So what what do you see in our last few minutes here? Gosh, I mean, there's so much that we can talk about. What what do you see? Um, potentially happening. And I guess I ask this in the context, you know, specifically of what we saw in Colombia a year ago and the, the national strike there, um, which I did go and, and work as a human rights observer at late May of last year. And is, I will just share with the audience, it is one of the reasons I was not allowed into Colombia to witness or to serve as an election observer for the oh. presidential elections in May, yeah, um, because, because of what we did witness in May, June of last year during the Foro Nacional in Colombia. And we've seen, you know, so we've got a really, really recent, not just historical experience in Colombia, but we have a, you know, a next door neighbor to Ecuador now that, you know, has changed its government. I mean, how much, you know, that's all up to the Colombian people, how much is going to be able to happen, you know, with this new administration coming in, it'll probably take multiple administrations to implement uh, the changes needed. But here's this next door neighbor experience a year ago that's led to a change in the government. Is something like that possible in Ecuador, given the vast majority of Ecuadorian, Ecuadorian citizens are affected by this horrible economic policy compounded with COVID compounded now with this global, you know, right. crisis with sanctions on Russia. I mean, it's really. Right. Well, I, I just, I want to say a lot depends on the, on the CNE. A lot depends on the, the state prosecutor the, the, because the state prosecutor just, as soon as the CNE shot, shot down the recall referendum, uh, there was, there was talk about impeaching members of the CNE. And the state prosecutor, Procurador General, he he uh, came down with a ruling that said uh, the CNE members can't be can't be impeached by the National Assembly because they're organizing elections for 2023. <laughs> so, so, which is, I mean, just on its face, a ridiculous uh, excuse, yeah. right? <laughs> 2020, right. We're, 20, we're halfway through 2022. Yeah, and you got six months or more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. So it, yeah, if they're that, so a lot depends on. On how stubborn the those kind of people are in the government, it, it depends if they could finally some of them can start breaking away 
and start issuing rulings that make sense and, and make this a democratic, uh, and let the democratic mechanism settle this as opposed to forcing people uh, into the streets. Because what other option do you just sit there and suffer quietly uh, or yeah, yeah. you're gonna take the street. So what I'm hoping is that eventually the either members of the CNE or, or different uh, members of, of this, this apparatus, state apparatus that's protected Lasso, that they that they cave just like they caved when they allowed Arouse's uh, candidacy in, in 2021. Right. That was not a done deal until the last minute. They they yeah. really that barely got through. They almost didn't allow. Just think of that. They didn't allow the the, the movement that won the, that has the largest block in the National Assembly that won the national. They almost didn't allow them to participate. So, uh, but and they did amazingly well. Yes, given that yes. late start that they were. Yes. They did, yes, but yeah. it just they shows you that kind of, well under extraordinarily so, difficult. So the the resolution to all these problems, I think, depends on on whether the these institutions can finally stop protecting Lasso and start looking for a for a, for a real for to let voters decide this as opposed to some kind of trial of strength on the streets. I mean, not that that can't be legitimate when there's no other option, but that's we have there they have there are mechanisms to to resolve this now uh, through through voting. So those should be those should be those should be done, but uh, hopefully they won't keep blocking them because that's what they're doing. They're trying to they're blocking the, the the mechanisms that should resolve this through through uh, through electoral means. And so next year, twenty twenty three are legislative elections and regional or yeah, they're they're like local local elections. Okay, like local level elections. Yeah, mayors. Mayors. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Municipal. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So we'll see what happens there. But that's that's the that's what I think. Is, I can't give a, a prediction, but I think if if they can start, if people can stop blocking the democratic route, then hopefully there'll be a, a way out of this that uh, that'll uh, you know uh, be less disastrous. And, uh, you know, put a, put a break on all these these trend that's been going on since 2017. It's just been horrendous. It's very um, well. I mean, it, it's it's very sad for the people, but it's also just it's you know it's just one more example of the failure of neoliberalism and and how violently imposed it is. Yeah, you can never underestimate you can never underestimate the level of violence and dishonesty that resort to. I think leftists do sometimes underestimate what they're up against. Yeah. I think even I think even Korea's movement underestimated what he was up up against, uh, underestimated the amount the number of opportunists and that he had within his ranks. I guess that's another thing that hurt them was that uh, you know Moreno was was Trump, but he came from their movement, right? Yes, uh, yes. So, so that also damaged their credibility. Is even if even though they fought him from yeah. as soon as he showed what he was, they immediately fought against it. But still, that that undermines people's confidence in your leadership. It's like, exactly. So. So yeah, you can never underestimate uh, what you're up against and, and the, the ability of, of opportunistic elements to get in, you know, weasel their way into your movement. And especially when you have this global North Colossus that's always got got its hands in there with the with NGOs, with uh, you know, through the CIA and everything else. You know, so all that money, all that money that you know, yeah. we U.S. citizens could have reinvested in ourselves. Yeah, I remember uh, much in, less our and much less our neighbors as well. well. In uh, in nineteen sixty four, I don't know if you've heard of Philip Beji, right? The 
the first yeah. big whistleblower of, uh, of all time, <laughs> he, the CIA whistleblower. He, his book Inside the Company talks about a lot about Ecuador because that's where he was based. And he said that in 64, 1964, he said with fifty thousand with a $50,000 per year budget, he said the CIA said, well, we're not controlling things, but we're pretty much giving everything a big push in the way we want to do it, right? The way we want things yeah. to go. So that's that's a that, that's a big factor too. Well, Joe, I'm so thankful for your time this evening. I know it's it's a Friday night, and I'm just so thankful that you could join us again. I always love working with you, Thank and you. I hope that we can have you back as we watch things unfold in Ecuador. It's, I, I I think it's going to be really really important, especially now with these elections next year, to really watch because we're just seeing so much unfold throughout the hemisphere of the Americas, including your country and mine. Right. Um, maybe not rapidly enough, but or maybe for my country, kind of disastrously. But there are so many changes coming, and um, and what we're seeing in Ecuador is so is not unlike what has been happening, you know, over the over the years uh, sure. throughout sure. the hemisphere. Sure. So it's going to be really important to watch Ecuador, and I look forward to having you come back and talk more thank with you us. very much thanks for having me on appreciate it oh no thank you so much and right. i just want to thank our audience for 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 listening and watching and uh be sure to check us out next week we broadcast typically every wednesday on code pink youtube live in this case um joe was so gracious to to join us this evening and and, and we wanted to accommodate his availability but you can um catch us generally wednesday nights on code pink youtube live and be sure to um, catch Code Pink Radio every Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern on uh, WBAI out of New York City and WPFW out of Washington, D.C. Both projects can also be found on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And so we look forward to talking with all of you next week. And again, thank you so much, Joe. I really uh, appreciate your time. And um, it's always great. You're always so insightful. Thank you. Thank you very much. Nice to be the second. Take care.